We are in week two of our wish list. And uh, I walked to my office this morning and I had a cornucopia on my desk. It's funny. The bag said, I thought about your sermon and I got you this. It's a horn of plenty. It's impressive. We're talking about what we have during this season of being thankful and, and um, we're going to talk today about comparison and I don't think comparison is all bad. I think we should have a standard that we compare ourselves to. If you don't compare yourself to something, how do you know you're improving? Even if you compared yourself to yourself, it would be a comparison of where I've come from or where, where how I've improved or how I haven't improved. So not all comparison is bad. We're told to compare ourselves to Scripture, that it's the standard for our lives, that God's Word is the standard for us. And James will tell us that if we look into the Scripture but don't apply it to our lives, don't compare ourselves to it and change, then we're like somebody looks in the mirror and doesn't remember what we look like. The bad part about comparison is, um, is what we do on a daily basis. We're comparing our blessing with somebody else's blessing. We're comparing what we have with what somebody else has. We're comparing with what we think God should be doing in our lives compared to what he's doing in somebody else's life. Social media feeds it so underhandedly. You get on there just to check and see how things are going and then all of a sudden it's like, look what they have, look what they got to do. And, and so we live in an age where we're constantly comparing things. And has um, anybody noticed that life is not fair? Yeah. I didn't win the Powerball last week. <laughs> I thought I was a shoe-in. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk today about comparison and how Grace isn't fair either. And the disciples were in a moment where they were trying to figure the whole thing out. Like, like, how's this measuring up? How's this going to work? And Jesus told a story, and we're going to read that. But if you've heard this story before, I hope to present it in a way that maybe you haven't thought about it before in context of the whole, of the whole teaching Jesus was doing. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 1. And Jesus is, uh, just to give you a little background, Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem for the last time. In, in a very short amount of time, he, he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to enter the city of Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, we, we call it, where they're waving palm branches at him. And, and in a in a week, he's going to be crucified. And so he's making his way towards Jerusalem for the last time, and he's teaching the disciples on his way. Aren't you thankful that he didn't stop teaching? Amen? Come on, stand to your feet. We do that in honor of reading the word. From Matthew chapter 20, we'll start in verse 1. You watch it, see it on the screen, or you can find it in your phone, in the Hope Community Church app, or in the Bible app. 
And if you have a paper Bible with you, you can find it there as well. Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Say amen if you're ready. All right. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day. He sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, and going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. So you see the progression there, he goes first thing in the morning, hires a bunch of guys, agrees to a salary, and then he goes back three hours later, six hours later. He keeps going back, not on the ninth hour, over and over and over again, he keeps going back and hiring people. And about the 11th hour, there's one hour of work left, about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received an areas. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last words only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, am I doing you, am, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for Denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I chose to give to the last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Father, thank you today for your goodness to us. Thank you for not being fair. Because if you were fair, we'd all be in trouble. Thank you for grace. And we pray that we get a good understanding of it today, Lord, in our lives and in the lives of others. Thank you for this opportunity to be together and lean into your presence and your word. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is a somewhat confusing story if you're just reading it if you just open up the book of Matthew to chapter 20, verse 1, you start reading, you're thinking, why would somebody do that? You're just asking for... It's not a great leadership principle for business. Hey, if you want to have a good environment in your, in your company, pay the people that work less the same amount as the people that do all the work. That's a great, that's a great recipe for a great office environment. Some of you are like, yeah, I work there. I work there. Bum comes in half an hour late, leaves half an hour early, takes a two-hour lunch, and does nothing. He's getting paid the same amount as I am. Yup. Let's go protest tomorrow at your job. Hmm. So this story sounds a little out of place if you're not 
If you don't back up a little bit to chapter 19, Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem for the last time. He'll, he'll be in Jerusalem for the Passion Week and then he'll be crucified. Along the way he's teaching, he bumps into a, a guy the Bible describes, Matthew chapter 19, is a rich young ruler. And there's a conversation. He comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? Jesus throws out a couple things and, and the guy says, I've done all those since I was a kid. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbors yourself. Man, I've done all that stuff, man. I'm, I'm good, right? And Jesus gives him this one simple directive. Sell everything you have. If you want to be made perfect, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And the most heart-wrenching, I think, scripture, one of the most heart-wrenching scriptures in the Bible is that the young rich guy walks away sad because he couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. He couldn't give it up. Jesus pivots to the disciples and says, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be really hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of heaven. Now, could you imagine hearing that? I can imagine Peter didn't want to be broke his whole life. There, there hasn't been, there hasn't been, I don't think a human being walked the planet that didn't want to better themselves financially, that didn't think, man, if I had a couple million dollars laying in the bank, it'd be a little bit easier. Then Jesus tosses them, tosses them this statement. Like, it's going to be hard. It's hard, difficult for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. And you can imagine their thinking process there like, really? He didn't say it would be impossible, but he said the more stuff you have, the more you get attached to it. That's what he was saying. And as a, and what you just saw happen there, the rich young ruler, he had a lot of stuff, and it was tying him up, and he couldn't let it go. And so he gave up the opportunity to follow me to keep his stuff. In response to that, chapter 19, verse 27, Peter has a very enlightening question. It, it, it gives you a window into what they were thinking. Peter uh, asked Jesus a question about how much they've worked for him, how much they've sacrificed for him. Because his, his statement to the rich young ruler was, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Give everything up, come follow me. So this, this question fits. In verse 27, then Peter said in reply, see, we've left everything to follow you. What you asked him to do, we have done. See, we have left everything to follow you. What then will we have? What's going to be the payment for it, Jesus? Verse 28, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne... You who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Then he says this, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Can we just agree that's not what Peter was expecting? Peter says, um, Lord, we've given up a lot of stuff. Matter of fact, um, we, we've been faithful to follow you. Now remember, this is at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. This is the end of it. 
So they've got, these guys have walked through a little persecution. They've walked through some difficulty with Jesus. They've walked through uncertainty. They've done all these things. They've seen him heal the sick and raise the dead. They've seen him cast out demons. They've cast out demons and healed the sick. They, it's, been, it's been this crazy journey, but they have given up everything to follow him. And so Peter's like, is the paycheck coming? Like, I need paid. What is it going to look like? Because this guy couldn't follow you. We have. So I'd like to know. I'd like to know what it's, you know, what the compensation package is. Are we going to get health insurance one day, Jesus? A little retirement account? Jesus is very careful not to associate earthly blessing with the obedience to him. This would have been a better scripture for us if he would have said, next week, I'm going to pay off all your debt. And that's what you get for following me. Wouldn't that have been great? Then when he could have flipped to Matthew chapter 19, verse 27 and said, you leave everything and follow Jesus, he'll pay off all your credit cards. He did it for Peter. He'll do it for you. Wouldn't that have been great? But Jesus says, in the new world, oh man, there's that old delayed gratification again. Because somehow God's focus is always on eternity. Because this is just so temporary. And we wrestle with that because our focus is always on the temporary. Let's just be honest. Our focus, 99% of the time, we talked about it last week. The left side and the right side, we talked about the temporary versus the eternal. But God is always thinking about the eternal because he's never temporary. So he tells Peter, hey, in the world to come, in the new life, there's going to be nobody like you. You're going to sit on the 12 thrones and da, 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 he spells it out for him. And anyone who has left, anyone who has sacrificed a hundred times will be rewarded then. Now, I've heard preachers twist that into right now, but I think that's a dangerous thing. Because there becomes an expectation that the more you work, the more you get paid. Mm. And can I just tell you this? The... Peter asked, Peter asked an accounting question. Peter asked a finance question. We've left everything. What will we receive? Jesus gave him a grace-filled answer. So Peter is asking a compensation question. Jesus is trying to explain to him what grace looks like. And what the church gets mixed up is we, we're looking for compensation when Jesus is handing out grace. So we think, I've served and sacrificed for you 10 years. I should get something for it. And he replies, you did. I remember growing up in a house full of grace. I would say, well, I mow the grass. And my dad would say, you get to live here. And I would think, that doesn't work out. I mean, that's not working out for me. Because I sacrificed to my dad. It's not my grass. You just said it was your grass. I don't own the grass. If I own the grass, maybe I'd take better care of it. I'm giving some 15-year-old some logic here. Do not use it at home. That are going to get you in trouble. He, 
thinking about it like that, the compensation for our sacrifice. The problem is grace isn't a reward, it's a gift. Jesus is using the story to, of pay to illustrate grace for Peter and the disciples. So you see, he transitions from this statement that he makes to Peter because I think Peter kind of looked at him with a little shifty look like, what? why'd you just say it like that? And he's like, okay, let me tell you a story. Here's a story. There's a vineyard owner and he walks out the first thing in the morning and, and like they still do in a lot of places in the world, they, the people will come to a place, workers will come to a place and people come and hire them. So first thing in the morning, the guy goes out and he hires a bunch of workers. And before they go to the vineyard, he says, I'll pay you a denarius for the day. It was a, it was a fair day's wages. I'll pay you a denarius for the day. And they go, yeah, it's a good deal. Shake hands, roll out to the vineyard, start working. Three hours later, he goes back to the same place, still some people standing there. So he says, hey, I'll, uh, do you want to work today? If you do, go to the vineyard, start working. He says, I'll pay you whatever's fair. They also agree. Three hours later, comes back, does the exact same thing. And he keeps doing it like in these three-hour cycles, just keeps going, hey, go work, go work, go work. And they all go and work. And then at 11, the 11th hour, one hour left of work, he goes back and he says, what are you guys still doing standing here? You're, you know, 7-Eleven coffee's all cold now. What are you still doing? Why didn't you go? And they said, well, nobody's hired us. And he says, we go to the vineyard, start working, figure it out. The end of the day, remember the last people only have one hour to work. Look at your neighbor and say, if I get a job like that, if I could get a job like that, it would prove that God loves me. All right. Remember, Peter's talking about compensation. Jesus is trying to explain to him grace. So what happens is, he tells the foreman to pay the last people first. which to me is dangerous. We'll get into that in a second. Pays the last people first. They get up front and, the, and they hand them a denarius. The people that only worked an hour hand them a denarius. Now, now, can we be honest? You and I would have the same exact response. Worked all day long in the scorching, the way they describe it, scorching heat. It was probably 75. You know how we exaggerate. I worked all day. I have suffered for you. So they got in their minds, as soon as they saw it, they said, oh, we're going to get paid more. We worked all day. We're going to get paid more. And then when they get up there, the guy hands them what they agreed to, a denarius, and they flip out. And the owner says, I'm, I'm a little confused here. Uh, we agreed in the morning that I would pay you this. And you said, okay, now when we come here and I decide to be generous to somebody else, now you're flipping out. What's going on? And then there's a, I think there's a break right at the end of the conversation where he stops telling a story and he, he stops the story and he looks at Peter and he says, remember, the first will be last and the last will be first. All right, here's the problem. Grace, grace is not compensation, it's a gift. Grace is not compensation, it's a gift. And he's trying to explain that to Peter. This is not, this has nothing to do with how much you worked. Grace is not what we get after we've worked all day or sacrificed. And some of us, some of us think it is. That's why we never stop working. 
because we think we're earning our way into. Man, don't look at me. Um, we think, I can't take a day off because the grace will stop. I got to earn my way into it. So I got to go, 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 go. I got to prove to people that I'm worth it. And God is going, nope, I scheduled you a day off on purpose to let you know it's not about work. Mm, I must be talking to a whole bunch of workaholics here this morning. So grace is not what we get after we've worked all day. Romans chapter 3, verse 21, Paul writes it like this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. And you could, you could gloss over that, but what he's saying is Jesus came and gave grace apart from working for it. The law was based on what you did. Grace is based on what Jesus did. And so all of a sudden, Paul's saying, now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all the same boat. And then verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a what? Look at your neighbor and say, you didn't sacrifice for it. He gave it to you. Tell him. Just remind him. He gave it to you. He gave it to you. Grace is a gift. And Jesus wanted Peter to understand that his sacrifice was not what was giving him entrance into heaven. Peter's like, what am I going to get? What are we going to get for giving all this up, Lord? He's like, Peter, that's not the point. Listen to this story. The vineyard owner gave the last person the same amount that he gave the first person. It's not about how much they worked. It was about the generosity of the vineyard owner. He was essentially saying to Peter, grace is allowed to be unfair. Grace is allowed to be unfair. Because after all, it wasn't based on how much they worked. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. Here's what I realized. We all like grace until we find out somebody got more of it. All right, watch this. Watch this. Anybody been saved here five years? Say, I've been walking with Jesus five years. Raise your hand. At least five years. Raise your hand. How many? Ten years. Anybody ten years? Been walking with Jesus 10 years, 20 years. Raise your hand, 20 years. How about 30 years? Anybody walking with Jesus 30 years? All right, all right. These people are starting to look different. They got a little experience on their head. Anybody walk with Jesus 40 years? Anybody 50 years? Anybody walk with Jesus 50 years? Some people in the back? All right, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Say 60, 70. You know what I found out? If we're not careful, here's how this works. You've been walking with Jesus 30 years, right? I remember... Uh, in Hopewell, Virginia, about five years old, being in a Sunday school class, the room was blue. That's what I remember. And the Sunday school teacher was a lady who had gray hair. And um, she asked me if I wanted to receive Jesus as my Savior. And I said, yes. And then she gave me cookies. (laughs) I don't know if it was payment for saying, but it might have just been the snack of the day. I don't know. But I remember doing that. And I remember growing up through the church and and I wasn't always on the right path, but, but I think that was a moment in my life where, where God gave me grace. Now, can we be honest? Here's what happens. 30 years later, 
you've been through at least a couple, maybe, maybe more than a couple valleys of the shadow of death. Anybody say amen? amen? You've been walking with Jesus long enough to like, oh man, this thing gets bad after a while. And then what happens is you show up here on a Wednesday night to a baptism. We're getting ready to have one in December, right, Skip? We're going to have one in December, and we're going to baptize people. And you see this 25-year-old that just goes down in the water and comes up, and they're all like, whoa. And you go, just, just wait a second, son. It's going to get tough. It's going to get tough. I remember cheering like that. And then I started sacrificing. <laughs> Well, when you get to how much, when you get to the place where you give it up as much as me, you may not shout as loud. And and we'll say things, I mean, God's faithful. Don't get me wrong, God's faithful. But this Christian life is hard. And all that clapping coming up out of the water, you'll settle down a little bit and you'll start to get that little Christian frown like everybody else gets. Like, and then when you ask it, has it been worth God has been good. Mm. Mm. Anybody else? Mm. How, how, how are you doing? God has been good. Did you just get sprayed with a skunk? What's happening? Like, is he good or is he not? And what irritates us is we can remember when we first received grace, but now we've had to sacrifice a little bit. And we get irritated because somebody could come into the kingdom and be so excited about it when we're kind of like, Peter, what are we going to get for all this? It's been 30 years and I've given up all kinds of stuff. Hmm. And Jesus is telling you the same story you told Peter. His grace ain't fair. His grace ain't fair. Peter, the same thing you sacrifice and will sacrifice for, there's going to be a guy crucified beside me that deserves to die, and he's going to get heaven. It ain't fair, Peter. As soon as the church starts thinking grace is fair, we lose. Because it's been unfair to everyone. Really, it's been unfair to everyone. For all have sinned, and falling short of the glory of God, but his grace. And what we do is we start comparing. Lord, look what they got. Look what they got. Look how, look how excited they are about you. And look, if you'd give me a little more, I'd be excited. And if, it, you know, if my life was easy as theirs, I'd be excited too. If look at them, he's got no bills and no responsibility. He's not even married. I know how it works. Lord, I've stayed married because I was trying to please you. That's not me. That, I just want to make that clear. Woo! I don't know if that sounded like a personal testimony. I want to get that straightened up quick. Um, look how much I've given, Lord. And then Jesus tells the story. First will be last, Peter. Last will be first. And by the way, this compensation thing you're thinking about, you better put that out of your head because none of this grace thing is fair and it's not compensation. It's never going to make sense to you, Peter. If you keep thinking about it as a reward, it's never going to make sense. 
But comparison happens, man, when we least expect it. Comparison just pops up in front of us. Those guys worked all day and were fine with working all day. And then I started thinking about this. Think about it. This thing doesn't get screwy until he starts paying people. If he would have paid the first people first, we wouldn't be talking about this. We wouldn't have been talking about it. You pay the first people first, and they roll out the door, and then you have the company policy. You don't talk about wages around here. You know, you've heard it before. We don't talk about pay around here. You got that's a that's a private matter. Don't talk about pay. So you pay the first people first, the denarius, and they roll out. Then you just pay the second people roll out, third people roll out. Then there's no comparison. But guess what? People get grace right in front of us sometimes. You know the truth of the matter about Peter's life? He would watch the thief on the cross receive eternal life. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And yet Peter would have a lifetime of sacrifice beyond that. I'd say the thief on the cross got out early. Peter would live the rest of his life trying to lead the church, trying to sacrificing the will of God, ultimately losing his life for it. And I know Jesus is thinking, man, Peter, we got to clear this up because if we don't clear this up today, after next week, you'll never make it. After next week, you'll never make it. And I see a ton of Christians giving up because the compensation doesn't look worth it. Lord, I thought if I came to church, I thought if I put a little money in the pot, I thought if I did, you know, stop cussing a little bit, I thought if I showed up early to work, I thought if I just straightened up, I thought if I did all these things, then you would compensate me for it. Listen, I'm not saying showing up for work early won't make your life easier. But grace is not compensation. You may have heard this story a bunch if you've been, some of you have been saved for that long. Maybe it's the first time you've heard it, but I thought about this differently than, um, than I've ever thought about it before in this sense. That we should, we should look at this differently. Um, do you remember all the way back in chapter 19, we were talking about the context of this story where it started with the rich young ruler. What did Jesus ask him to do? He said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. I started thinking about how many people got to do that in the flesh. You know, he was essentially asking him, hey man, come along with me. I got 12 dudes. We can roll 13. Jesus wasn't afraid of odd numbers. Friday the 13th hadn't even come out yet. He was inviting him in. He was inviting him in. Peter had been around Jesus so long that he forgot who he got invited to be with. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus was 
God in the flesh. They had seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. They had seen him cast out demons. They had seen him do unbelievable things. They had seen him disappear in a crowd. They'd seen him walk on water. Peter had walked on water. They got to be with him. All of us are hoping to be with him one day. They got to walk with him. We read about the story. They got the story. We read about it. They got to be there. They got to. They got the whole deal. And I started thinking, Peter's asking for compensation to walk with God. Is that? Is that a little bit twisted? Hey God, I I like walking with you. So all of a sudden, Peter's thinking more like the rich young ruler than he is a disciple. Because the rich young ruler said, if that's what it takes to walk with you, I can't give up the compensation I already have because it sounds like your, your benefits plan doesn't match what I already have. And now Peter goes, hey, wait a second. While we're talking about benefit plans, what is it? And Jesus just is like, That's the way you're thinking, huh? And it hit me that Peter's benefit plan was that he was walking with God. He got to be with the Savior. He got to be with God. And when Jesus tells the story, it's almost like he's saying these guys got the opportunity to work all day. I started thinking totally different about it. Jesus was teaching Peter that grace is not about how much you sacrifice, but how much opportunity you get. Grace is not how much you sacrifice, but how much opportunity you're getting. And the rich young ruler couldn't understand that. You want me to give all this up for that? And Jesus is like, you're walking away from the biggest opportunity of your life. This is not a sacrifice. Oh, church, what if we started talking different to the world? I didn't give anything up to do this. I got to do it. This wasn't a sacrifice. This was an opportunity. This wasn't, this wasn't God paying me for what I'm doing. This was an opportunity to walk with him. And so now all of a sudden, I feel bad for the people that showed up late. Now when we're talking about grace, now I've had all day to experience his grace. And you bums just showed up. Ha, ha, ha. I got to be with him all day. I got to work all day. I got to. What if you, I know you ain't never showed up for work and told your boss that. Look, man, I'm just so appreciative. I get this opportunity to come in here and work for you. But what if we started looking at God like that? This is what Jesus is teaching Peter and the disciples. Peter, listen, it's not going to be fair. As long as you're talking about compensation, it's never going to be fair. But when we start talking about grace, look at what you get to do. Look at the opportunity grace has provided you, Peter. And it's always going to look unfair. 
as long as you look at grace as compensation for a full day's work. But I'm going to tell you something. Grace made you capable of working. You got paid before you started. And so all of a sudden, I'm looking at my life, and I'm going, like, like I didn't sacrifice at the beginning. I didn't, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a chore. It was the opportunity at 24 years old to come into ministry, and he gave me an opportunity. At five years old, I had the opportunity. And so at 46, I'm not going to turn around and go, well, He's been faithful. Well, God's good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. I want my testimony to be, I got to do this. I don't know. I can't imagine somebody coming at the end of the game. They're going to get heaven too. But man, I would not want to show up on the day of. And get there because you miss out on all the opportunity. And Jesus is telling Peter, listen, Peter, these guys got to work in the vineyard all day. They got to work in the vineyard all day. Yes, that guy got paid for working an hour, but his experience was limited compared to yours. His experience was limited compared to yours. He doesn't know me like you know me. He hasn't walked with me like you've walked with me. Peter, get compensation out of your head. I am the compensation. And when we understand that, church, is he going to take care of you? Yes. Is he going to provide for you? Yes. Will he do things in your life that you never dreamed? Yes. Will he take you places where you've never been? Yes. All those things are true. But the cop, the, but the, what he gives us is grace beyond all of that. So that's why Paul could go then, I rejoice in suffering because his grace has been so good to me. It's not an up and down where he's been faithful today because I feel like I'm getting compensated. And he's not faithful because I don't feel like I'm getting compensated. He gave me the opportunity of grace. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. Man's going to come up. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so easily which clings so easily, so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He said, you got grace on your lives to run this. Run the race. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Hmm. You notice it didn't say Compensation. You notice it didn't say retirement package. You notice it didn't say big house in Florida. It said for the joy. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul would later go on to say, having the same mind as Christ. Church, if we stood up today and walked out of this place and went, It's been a joy to serve him and I get to do it and I'm focused on the author and finisher of my faith because the joy set before me. Maybe the world would look a little bit different at us. Serving him isn't a sacrifice. Serving him isn't a sacrifice. I've already received grace. I'm gonna work in the vineyard till he comes back. 
I'm going to be fine. I'm going to go at it till he gets here. I'm going to run the race he put before me. He's saying, Peter, listen. Guys, listen, I'm getting ready to go to the cross. When I go to the cross and die for your sins and resurrect on the third day, when, when, I, when I leave you, when I leave you, you have to have this embedded in your heart, this grace thing, because you're going to walk a difficult road. And if you're looking for compensation, you'll quit. If you're just looking for me to pour out financial blessing on you, you're going to end up quitting. But if you do it for the joy set before you, for the grace that I've already given you, you'll make it to the end. And we have to get that deep in our hearts too. If the church is going to advance, it can't be on a prosperity gospel. It's got to be because he's already given it to us. Because we get to do it. We get to walk with him. We get peace that passes all our sin. We get him. Amen? So come on, stand to your feet. I want to pray this way. If you've been frustrated with God because you don't feel like you're getting your fair share, I hope this maybe enlighten your eyes a little bit. Man, God cares about you more than you can ever imagine. God provides our needs before we even ask of him. He's already making a way to provide you what you need. Trust me on that. I'm not saying that God is not our provider. He is. But God is not compensating us for for being good this way day and taking it from us for being bad the next. He has given us grace and he's going to continue to give us grace. And he's going to give you grace as long as you live, but he's going to give grace to somebody else who you think doesn't deserve it. And that's just how it works. Because it's not about compensation. But if we change our minds, we lean into, Lord, we get to serve you. We get to sacrifice and walk with you. It'll change everything about us. Father, thank you for this moment today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you give us so freely that whosoever believes in you should not perish. Thank you, Lord, that you gave it to me 40-some years ago and you're still giving it out today. We thank you for it, Lord. And we pray, God, that we thank you that we get to do it. And we pray, Lord, that our testimony would be that we got you. And that was enough to keep going for the joy set before us. Thank you for it today, Lord. Come on, church, can you lift up a praise of thanks today? Because it gave you that grace. Could you do that? Come on, lift up your voice. Lord, we want your presence today. Lord, we Thank ask, you, God. we seek, we